folks, and welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I am Charlie Burris, here with my co-host and A to Z Sports Tennessee writer, Zach Reagan. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I are talking everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast, and if that sounds good to you, make sure that you go over and subscribe, rate, review on the uh, A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed uh, on iTunes and Spotify. All of the new episodes drop there every Monday, and you won't miss a thing if you subscribe, and uh, you'll just help us out if you drop a review in there. Uh, we always appreciate it. Uh, you can follow us on social media. I'm at Charlie underscore Burris, at Zach TNT, at A to Z Sports on Twitter and Instagram, and Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports Nashville, and A to Z Sports Nashville.com for all the stuff that Zach writes. Today's podcast is presented by TennesseeTickets.com, the place you should trust with any of your ticket purchases, balls, home and away games, concerts at your favorite venues, all with zero hidden fees at checkout. Unlike the other sites, you can save $10 off every ticket purchase with promo code AZ10AZ10. That's TennesseeTickets.com. Zach, pretty cool. I saw this week just thinking about tickets. One of my favorite comedians, Bert Kreischer, um, pretty funny dude. He has some specials on Netflix. He's doing a, a, I guess, a whole summer tour of uh, drive-in movie theaters. And so you can get tickets to those now. TennesseeTickets.com. I don't know if he's coming to Tennessee, where he might be. But hey, shows coming back in the age of coronavirus. Yeah, slowly but surely. It's a nice sign that uh, normalcy will eventually return. Although I still think we're a ways away from going back to pre-March. Well, I'll tell you where things are a little more normal. Uh, this week, past week, we, we didn't have a show this past Monday, and it was because I was on vacation in Hilton Head, South Carolina. And boy, howdy, uh, coronavirus is over down there <laughs> in low country, South Carolina. There was, I mean, it was the Wild West. I Here, you know, in, in Knoxville, it's kind of mixed. You'll, you'll see some masks. I went to the grocery store today. Most people have masks on. A lot of people are careful. We, we don't have, uh, you know, bars aren't bustling late at night with a bunch of people dancing and breathing and coughing on each other. But boy, uh, I would say Hilton head was, we, we go there a pretty decent amount. It's like one of my parents' favorite spots. We were with my parents. We've gone there a ton in my life. Easily the most packed it's ever been. The most people, tons of people from New York and New Jersey. I got lectured by a guy from New Jersey about how nobody's taking it serious down there. And I said, well, why'd you come? Uh, we don't need you. And it was whew, it was interesting. I don't know. Even as somebody, I, I haven't been as careful as I probably could be. I would say that, and that might be being kind to me. But even I was a little like, okay, guys, this is still going on. You know that, right? It's like you take a vacation from coronavirus, I guess. That's the mindset when you go down there. In a way. I mean, it really was. I, I'm so, so serious. We went to, even here in, in Knoxville, every restaurant we've gone to is very, um, I mean, I've been to probably three or four now. It's like everybody has masks on, the whole deal, masks, gloves, everybody's careful. Um, we went to two different restaurants there. Neither, no masks, no gloves, welcome in, sit down. Almost nothing was different. One of them had paper menus. That was different. 
So the, ser- like- so the servers didn't have master on either? No. Oh, no. wow. I was, yeah. You, like I said, I have not been, I've been to restaurants and stuff around here. I haven't been as careful as a lot of people. Uh, and I was like, guys, <laughs> this is still happening. We, we, you know, we're, it's not over yet, uh, even if you might want it to be. But my theory is kind of when you go, when you go out in public, there's quite a few people that are genuinely concerned, like worried that they might catch it. And then I think the other people being careful are more, it's like a social respect thing. Like, I don't want to invade your space. But then once that kind of start happening and and those walls start breaking down between people, I think people just kind of like, okay, whatever. We're all, we're all in this. Yeah. It's okay. That's how I've tried to approach it. Went to the grocery store today and I I do wear a mask in there because I'm just like, okay, there it's old, old folks got to get their groceries. Older folks or or people that are in vulnerable in, in general, they have to get groceries. It's a place where they have to be. And so I, you know, I try to be respectful. I wore uh, a mask and then, yeah, if I, if I go to a restaurant, I'm kind of like, well, if you're here, you at least have to be at peace with it to some extent. I, I, you know, I I don't think any, anybody is just totally callous. I would say that group's pretty small, but you know, you do have to, to a certain extent be like, okay, I'm being a little riskier and just kind of take that on. Yeah. If you're, if you're, really really nervous about the virus and and to the point where you have anxiety over it and you don't want to go anywhere you're definitely not going to a restaurant so you're definitely yeah. a little no more at ease not really it's not at the front of your mind probably the whole time especially not in south carolina apparently <laughs> no <laughs> uh but i do know if if you do feel much more serious about it i, I don't want to act like i'm being you know extremely callous about it i know everybody it's that's divisive. Like I said, I got lectured by some dude uh, while we were there about how nobody's taking it seriously. So uh, if you are taking it seriously, more power to you. Um, and so there is that. I just uh, had to relay a little bit. It was an interesting experience down there in South Carolina. Uh, but on top of that, it's been an interesting week or really, I guess, two weeks uh, since we've done this. And it, a lot of that interesting stuff has to do with the coronavirus. So teams have been back at facilities around college football, including Tennessee. Tennessee's football team so far has only had one positive test, and it was not in a player. It was in a graduate assistant, I believe. And then the basketball team had one player that was positive, but nobody else. Uh, so that's all that's happened at Tennessee. Nothing uh, real serious uh, there, but at other places. Have they haven't been so lucky? LSU right now, thirty players on quarantine. I did they say how many players actually tested positive for this? I don't think they did. They might have, but I haven't seen if they did or not. They've been kind of everywhere. Has been kind of hesitant to put that information out there. It is a HIPAA violation to just say, "Hey, this person is sick." Yeah. Uh, so you know, there there are differing degrees to how much they'll put out there. But uh, it it is 30 players at LSU. Supposedly, the report was that they all went to a club in Baton Rouge and and hung out with each other. It turned out that some amount of those guys had the virus. And now 30 guys on that team are quarantined. You also had Houston, six players with the virus. They shut down their entire operation for a short time. Uh, I think it has since been resumed. I might be speaking out of school there, but... Uh, 
Then you had Clemson, 23 players, I think, tested positive for the virus. That's easily the biggest that I've seen. And then, then you brought up Kansas State. You had read something uh, yeah, I think in the had, last few days about them. They had 14, and theirs was similar to LSU where uh, said, uh, a couple of parents talked to the athletic, uh, kind of how they got the scoop there. said 85% of the team's doing what they're supposed to do, but 15% of the team – not doing what they're supposed to do, going to a party, hanging out at each other's apartments, just not following the protocols that Kansas State put out there. And, you know, you got 14 tests and you got to shut everything down for a little while. And that's how quick it happens. So a couple, I don't know if it was two or three weeks ago, I did a radio show interview and the guy asked me about what will it take to get these players to take the coronavirus seriously and i thought it was a great question and it, it kind of caught me off guard because it was something i hadn't thought about really because you just see the the world writ large is taking it pretty dang seriously generally speaking like i said the there are a group of people who aren't there are a group of people <laughs> there's a group of people who are probably taking it too seriously I, well i don't know if you can take it too seriously but just being paranoid um but most people are kind of in that middle space but with ki- these kids I think about myself, 28 years old. I went to the doctor back in February, got a full physical at that time. Uh, a few months ago, I was good to go. So I, you know, my assumption is I'm not, I'm certainly not in what you would consider a vulnerable category. And I have been, as I've already said, a little more risky than some. These kids are 10 years younger than me and in unbelievable shape. And I kind of look at that and I say, why would they take this seriously? Uh, off, also, the stats, the data say that basically the risk to them even getting seriously ill or almost getting ill at all is nearly zero. Um, yeah, the Kansas State players, the, the, most of them are asymptomatic. The couple that did have symptoms, they just described them as headaches. You know? Yeah, it's very faint uh, just kind of, oh, I feel just malaise, you know, like I've, I've heard a lot of that. Even pe- people that I know that have gotten it, um, have, have said that it was just kind of like, oh yeah, I just didn't feel right. And I wanted to be careful. So I went and got tested, you know, and it's been that. So I, it, it's hard for me to look at that and say, yeah, you should definitely, these guys, they have to take it super seriously. I, I kind of say, I mean, do, do they? I mean, to, for for football to happen, I think it's pretty clear. Yes, they do. For for football to be, to happen as safely as possible, clearly they do. For their own personal safety and data-wise, the, the flu is worse for these guys. The flu would, would be worse. I'm not saying the coronavirus is not as bad as the flu. In older people, it is much, much worse. I, I hate that you have to clarify that, but yes. it is much, much worse in vulnerable groups. Much worse than the flu. But to these guys, it is not even as bad. And so, but the the thing that everybody always says, well, some of the coaches are in those vulnerable groups. Some, you know, Nick Saban is almost 70. Rick Barnes is right up there, that same age bracket. Like, or health issues. I mean, you look at, uh, I mean, Jim Chaney is obviously yeah. overweight. I mean, you can't deny that. And that is a huge underlying condition that is, affecting i mean that that's where some of the death rates coming from so yeah that absolutely uh and so 
it's a complicated issue, and I don't know. When when you look at that situation as a whole, I have no idea how you go about this. Pro huh? pro sport pro sports seems pretty much like hey you you know if it's going to be like the NFL maybe they do play at each stadium say hey each week spend your time at your mansion don't be at the club yeah. doing this stuff just chill we you got to do this to get your money yeah it's easier when you're getting paid <laughs> yeah they they have that motivation but these young guys you're on campus together it's packed full of beautiful women and you got bars on campus that are open now and and these these um, whole different set of motivations and they're not getting paid at least <laughs> i think it comes down to the comes down to the team culture and team leaders taking things serious i think the motivation for them to avoid it is probably the same as it is for us going beyond who you might infect i i don't want to get it because okay then you're looking at 14 day quarantines you're looking at a whole nother yeah. set of issues that you have to deal with then that you don't have to deal with. If you get the flu, you get the flu, you're going to be sick. You're going to get over it. You did this at our age. You're going to be sick. You're, you're going to get over it. But then you've got all this other stuff that comes along with it. All the people that you've been in contact with that you have an obligation now to let them know through whether it's contact tracing or just word of mouth. I mean, it's just a whole nother bag of issues that you have to go through. And I think that is going to be some of the motivation for the players if you want to play, if you want to practice, if you don't want to have to go through all that stuff, you know, do what you got to do, do what you're supposed to do. Yeah. And, and that's all, that's all it comes down to. I, I don't know the exact way that you get these guys motivated to do that, but before the season happens or if the season is going to happen, this has to be messaged to these guys in whatever well, way works. Is it even feasible to, expect to go through December without having an active case at all times on teams. I mean, it's just, and then if you're going to, I mean, major league baseball, they've, they've had a, a ton of uh, play. Well, not a ton. I think they've had like 40 players and staffers test positive. Now that they've kind of been returning to complexes in anticipation of a season, they haven't even started their spring training yet. And they're already shutting down complexes because of, of one positive test on a team shutting it down cleaning it i mean if you do that every time you have a positive test i don't see how sports are played this fall at all if that's the criteria yeah i i don't and you did i mean you did see uh golf over the weekend so it was actually in hilton head where, where i was and i went and tried to uh go see it was the rbc heritage uh, at Harbor Town, there I went to Harbor Town, tried to go see if I could like see the course. You couldn't. You had to like be in a house to actually see what was going on, like a house on a fairway. Um, but nonetheless, one of the players during the tournament had the virus. He tested positive for the virus. Felt kind of funky. He said, "Hey, I'm gonna get tested again." He did. It was uh, Nick Watney, I believe. Um, and he, like, you know, they said after the fact, he'd, like, come into contact with, like, Rory McIlroy in the parking lot and these things. Um, but it didn't shut down the tournament. They finished out the tournament. It was fine. He was the only guy that had it. Um, I'm sure some of those guys are probably a little freaked out, some of the guys that came into contact with him. Um, but they they shuffled through it. And so when I when I look at the situation, it really it has to be – one of two things to if college football is going to happen. 
they either have to just be at peace with the spread and what comes along with that is not quarantining the players that come into contact with these guys. That has to be a part of it. I mean, you just, you can't shut down 30 dudes from LSU in the middle of the season. That's not feasible. LSU won't have a team to put on the field. Or you have to, I guess there's three options. The second being, uh, you have to be extremely, extremely serious, somehow keep these guys in a bubble, which seems impossible. Yeah. Or shut it down and not have sports. Uh, Those are three options. It's, it's shut down bubble. Well, like, like the NBA is going to do, or they have to be at peace with it. After seeing the response to Mike Gundy's comments back in April or whenever it was about how they're young and they, it's not a threat to them. I mean, the response to that on social media was almost all negative, at least what I saw. And I don't think there's any way that they can just say, we're going to play through it. I mean, just there's, I mean, the NCAA would get killed over that response. Yeah. I, I completely agree. There is maybe some amount of hope that our feelings will continue to change on the virus. Uh, you did see from these massive protests, apparently the initial findings of the people that were there, there was not a lot of spread at those protests. So that's a good. Cause it's sign. outside and it's outside. Um, clearly a lot of basically all of the spread of this thing happens inside. I think that's, really become apparent um but something that you noticed and just this was an observation that i had just looking um at the current data i'm just looking at the worldometers you know whole the whole of the united states so cases have gone up in the last two three weeks yeah certain states have really yeah they've gone up in in a lot of these southern states that have been open for a while now but specifically like arizona florida Places that have a lot of a lot of tourism. Arizona's kind of an outlier in some sense. I've seen some people say it's because it's extremely hot and a lot of people are staying inside a lot. And so spread's happening inside. Um, but you've had these elevated cases. And despite that, the overall deaths in the United States have continued to drop. As yeah, of it's today, very it's plummeted pretty much. I think. Two, 267 deaths today, yeah, which, is which is the, the lowest amount since March 24th, I think. Yep, March 24th. I'm look. I'm looking right at it. Yep, March 24th. There were 268 that day. So I mean, per se, the the deaths continue to drop off. Maybe this is. I I've seen multiple theories. The best of those, the most hopeful of those, being that it is actually the virus uh, getting weaker, um, and it's just not killing as many people. The the main theory is that it's just the age of the people getting it. It's mostly young people. It's it's folks like me going out and <laughs> going to Hilton Head being uh, yeah. an idiot. Well, and you got so many, <laughs> you got it. so many more people being tested right now. Whether it where the tests are more available, whether it's you have to be tested to go back to work, or you're being tested on a regular basis at your job, whatever the reason is, there's there's definitely more testing happening. So they're going to find more asymptomatic. Um, positives and early on you could only go get a test if you were showing symptoms so almost all of those were already sick or going to progress from there so a lot of these positive tests they're just not getting to that point that's the reason we're not seeing the same death rate with these positive tests that we did early on yeah but uh, but it's even with 
with all of the new positives, um, I mean, even even if just the same amount of people were getting it, it's actually more from some of the time in the past when the deaths were a lot higher. I mean, like the cases have stayed essentially flat. Obviously, like you said, the tests have gone way up, but the the case counts have stayed essentially flat and just that death number continues to drop and we could theorize all day but my my overarching point to all of that was maybe by maybe mid-august when things are would really start to be coming into form for things like football um maybe we feel even more different about it then because there has been and you know think whatever you want about this i know it's another divisive topic but um there's been this panic from the media of, oh, it's the second wave. The second wave's here. Here comes the second wave. Well, what if the second wave presents itself and, or whatever this may be, you know, think what you want, but uh, the second wave or whatever it is presents itself and just people aren't dying at the same rate. What if that's the case? And then suddenly we kind of feel like, oh, well, maybe some amount of spread is is okay with these younger guys because clearly they're going to be fine. And maybe that is a feeling that by that time in another couple months, by that time, we kind of feel like maybe that, that would be okay. I don't know. I obviously, that's really the only hope what's gonna I think, tomorrow. For, for sports in the fall. Otherwise just the way that we've approached it the last week or so has made me more pessimistic about uh, even the return of like NBA or something with their, with their bubble scenario because you're just not going to have a situation where you go an extended period of time with no positive test it's just it's just not feasible to happen you have to interact with people to some extent um even professional athletes getting paid only going to stay in their house so long or family members are going to get exposed and and, because i think with the the nba the family members can go out to like Disney world and stuff, but the players themselves aren't supposed to, well, that doesn't really yeah. How would that stop a spread. Yeah. That, that's nonsense. Um, it's completely not, it's not just unlikely. It's impossible, very literally impossible for any of these leagues to just not have cases. You even saw, um, hockey has been, some of these facilities have opened back up for hockey teams. The, the lightning shut theirs back down. Three people tested positive from their staff. I mean, what, what, what are we going to do? Cause it can't, that can't be the response or else sports aren't going to happen. And you just have to say, well, 20, 2021, here we come, I guess, you know, <laughs> like there, there is a lot, a lot of optimism about a vaccine by the end of this year. But are, is that just what it's going to end up being? It might God, be, I hope not. I have to be college football's pushed back like we thought before into the uh, next February or March or something. I mean, that was you, my prediction initially. You can you can't skip college football season. We've already seen soccer programs, some baseball programs at the college level get cut because of the loss of revenue just from basketball and the NCAA tournament. Now imagine football. I mean, what's going to get cut after that? It is an understatement, a vast understatement, to say that missing a football season would be totally devastating to NCAA sports. I mean, imagine a uh, FBS team that is going. Uh, was it, I, I can't remember who Tennessee plays at the FBS level. Whoever they play, or whoever anybody plays, eight hundred thousand dollars, nine hundred thousand dollars, million dollars that they pay 
for these teams to come play, I mean, that keeps a program afloat. That that funds a huge portion of their athletic department, and they're not going to get that money. Yeah. I mean, it the, the tendril effects really go out. I mean, I think a program like Tennessee, they would probably have to shave off some sports, but they would make it to 2021. Big programs yeah. would. A lot of huge donors, a lot of money. You know, Tennessee's resources are not going to let Tennessee football die in the wind because of one year getting missed. But as you're saying, these small programs that get paid a million bucks to come get their head beat in by Alabama might lose their football program. And I think you're talking on a large scale like a lot of them would. I mean, we've seen football programs fold before this, with none of this happening, I think UAB folded and then came back. I mean, we've seen others. Yeah. They're already on yeah. the edge. Yeah, it's it's what it's what you're seeing with you know restaurants. These places that were already operating on the margins suddenly, oh, we don't have any revenue. See ya, and they're done. And it's it's awful, but that's what would happen. I mean, there's revenue no doubt doesn't come in. That's you know they're going to do whatever they can to play, but I just don't. I just don't have a good feeling about it right now. Not like I did a month ago. Just based on the way that everything gets shut down before they've even started anything. I mean, they haven't even started any training camps or anything for any sport, and they can't even get off the ground, basically. But how, you know, tell me this. How has golf done it? That's what I've thought is interesting. They've gone through two whole weeks of tournaments. They didn't have a positive player till this week, and it's only done one. And those dudes are traveling you know, coming by plane from all over the place uh, and flying in there. Maybe it's purely because they don't have a facility where they go hang out, you know, all the time inside or it's, it's outside. It's an outside sport. Um, I like they, they have somehow figured it out. You also have, I mean, there, there hasn't been big problems with, with uh, Bundesliga uh, over in, in Germany. How would, how are they doing it? Can we not take a page out of their book? whatever like they they have had positive tests but they have continued on they are still playing and it's weeks now i mean they're what three four weeks into their restart now um how are they doing it why can't why can't we get this figured out i know i, I don't understand it either because even you know premier league started back this week and the death rate in the United Kingdom is way higher than it is here per hundred thousand people. I mean, it's not even close and they got theirs off the ground way faster than we've got anything off the ground here. Team sport wise. I really don't. I, I don't really understand it. How we haven't been able to, to figure this out, but is what it is. That's uh that's just kind of the state of things. As I said, it's, it's either we, we come to terms with some amount of spread in college football, you eat, or you have to completely rethink the way the season is going to happen, or we can't have it. I think that's that's where we're at right I now. I think in, in general, we have to come to terms with it eventually anyway, because yes, we've said it before, even with the vaccine, it's still going to be around. And when you get the vaccine, how long is that even, how effective is it? Don't know. And we are going to have to accept that it's here to stay at some point. That is the nature of the beast. Um, unfortunately, that's just what we're what we're facing with. This not to get too, 
too depressing with it all. Um, but, uh, you know, it, you just want to cover all your, your bases and that's, that is what it is. Not everybody's going to get the vaccine. Obviously. I mean, you've heard a lot of talk from the, a pretty decent number of people that are like, I'm not getting that vaccine. Heck no. So, uh, either way, that's, that's the state of play when it comes to college football. Maybe it'll happen. Maybe it won't where I, I was, man, I was so confident, was so confident that it was going to happen. I know. I was feeling very optimistic. Yeah. I, I know for certain right now that I am super pessimistic about baseball ever coming back. Good Lord, man. They can't not only, you know, they have players testing, getting the virus, but just, that's not even the main hindrance for them right now. <laughs> Total incompetence from the top down. <laughs> is, is and they're arguing <laughs> the fact that they've owners have proposed 60 games. And the players want 70, like 10 games is what's separating you here at this point. I mean, they, it took them forever to even get that close. And you're going to really let your silly. season fall apart over 10 games. That's, yeah, that's silly. <laughs> well, either way, that's that's that. And uh, we'll we'll just kind of leave it there. Unless any any parting thoughts on the, uh, the COVID and sports situation. I hope we have better optimism next week. <sighs> Me too. Come on. We need, I mean, America needs it. Bad, bad. I mean, we need something to at least just for for an hour a night look the other way from the freaking dumpster fire we got going on. I thought I mean, NBA would at least be back by now. It, it would be sad to go back and listen to our initial thoughts on everything. How we were kind of like, well, oh, shut yeah. down, but sure, surely they'll they'll be back soon yeah by june we'll be back to normal little did we know uh but uh that's that and now to even more uh strangeness from the world of sports this one a little more lighthearted, i guess i would say but annoying for the university of tennessee kamar wilcox and four-star athlete uh from that had committed to tennessee a while back Flipped to Florida, but the funny thing with all of this is, this is the third time he has committed to the University of Florida. Um, Which means he's decommitted twice from Florida previously. <laughs> and uh, Tennessee was just the latest to get caught in that crossfire of him flipping back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. He got absolutely wrung out by not just recruits, uh, but also current players at Tennessee um, who were just kind of openly mocking him on social media. But then also um, he deleted the tweet that said that he had recommitted to Florida. And then he tweeted something that was like, nobody can judge me or something. I'd, I'd have to go back and look at exactly what he said. But uh, an interesting saga with that young man. Yeah, one of my favorite things to do after something like this happens is to go straight to Brian Niedermeyer's Twitter page and look at all the tweets that he's liked. And it's just a bunch of uh, committed Tennessee players saying, like, yeah, I'm not going anywhere. You don't have to worry about me. And just pretty much in direct response to to the decommitment. But it was not unexpected based on some of the things he'd been tweeting in recent weeks. You know, the the Blue Hearts that he'd been tweeting, things like that, just some of the stuff he'd been saying. But early on when he committed, 
he was all in on Tennessee. I mean, he's talking about helping bring the best class ever to Tennessee and how committed he was. I think he gave an interview right after he committed and said that uh, Tennessee fans don't have anything to worry about. I was forced into my first commitment with Florida. Um, I'm 100,000% with my decision. You know, this is it for me. I mean, that was in April, <laughs> you know, two months ago. He seems a tad indecisive. I, I would say that. <laughs> he, um, Yeah, just looking through his tweets here, he's kind of saying the same stuff now about Florida. I know in that, in his I'm coming back tweet, he did say, this is my recruitment is over. Is it? Somehow I doubt that. He said uh, business over emotion, which kind of I think some people interpreted that as <laughs> um, what kind of business are you were talking about here. Yeah. Uh, oh, and this is he deleted the tweet. He deleted the recommitment tweet, and he said, "It don't matter what nobody think about you." Um, somehow, I think you are thinking and worried about what people think about you. <laughs> yeah, if you're deleting tweets, thing. yes. And then he said, "Off the media with a peace sign." Probably a good idea on his part. Um, he I would just, go ahead and say now there's no way that he he might sign with Florida, but he will not stay committed to them until December or February whenever he signs. It seems extremely unlikely. I would definitely say that. I think your your betting odds there are pretty good that he's going to flip-flop around even more, uh, but, but we'll see. It, that's just, you know. The, that's why the perfect... following recruiting is so – horrible at times exactly because i i'm extremely cynical about the recruiting stuff i obviously i follow it um as a part of this and because i'm interested you know i want to know these guys that are coming into tennessee obviously uh, and i watch their tape and i do the whole thing but my attitude about recruiting unless it is a just a bona fide, like a Trey Smith, just, you know, the best player in the nation and he's committing to Tennessee. And unless it's that with all these guys, I'm like, what have you done for me lately? Oh, you want a state championship in high school? Congrats. Come, come on. Play I don't know boys. why we get do? it. I don't know why we get excited about any of them at this point. Exactly. Look at, look at where the class is. If you're a casual fan or just a, even a diehard fan, look at where it's at on signing day and you want to be in the top 10, top five. And if you are, yeah. you're going to have a chance. But if you get excited over individual players, there's a good chance you're going to get let down because, you know, over the years, we've seen four-star, five-star dudes commit. This guy, you know, the excitement over them committing and signing, and then they just disappear. Dylan Bates. Are, I remember the excitement over Dylan Bates, and I don't know that he played any meaningful downs at Tennessee beyond special teams and, and some spot duty here and there. Drew Richmond, uh, tons of them. I mean, for whatever reason, things don't work out. Maybe, I don't know. You know, there's a lot that goes into that. I know they're talented kids. For whatever reason, it doesn't work out, but there's just no point getting excited about it until they get get to Tennessee and start playing. That is exactly how I feel. I just, I refuse to give too much credence to, and and it, this is not the fault of their recruits. It is such a critical decision. It does not surprise me that they flip-flop at all. It's yeah. a huge It doesn't bother me either. Decision. No, because it's, it's these guys who you're making 
what could if, if you're in that top echelon player or a guy who will eventually become an NFL player, you are making a decision that will affect the rest of your life. And make no mistake, it matters what school you go to. I mean, there is some element of if you are that good, they will find you. You know, Damian Lillard played at Weber State. Like sometimes guys are just that good and they'll find you. But like in in other ways, it matters what school you go to in terms of your prep for the pros, who will be at your pro day, you know, when, when you work out there, whether you'll be noticed enough to get invited to the combine. Like there are just elements that it genuinely does matter. And it's the biggest decision potentially of, of your life or even the next, what, 20 years maybe. Um, and it shouldn't be taken lightly. And if you no. if you commit to one school and you think, oh, maybe this isn't the right one, and you go to another, hey, fine, but make sure it's the right decision. And that that's why I, I don't blame the kids. It's not their fault at all. It's not their fault that they want more followers on social media either. I get it. Dude, if I was, if I was 17 and I had all these fans from – 10 different fan bases being like, come here, come here. We, you look awesome. You look great. I, I would be like, everybody follow me. I want all the followers. Come on. You know, I'm narcissistic. I want to, you know, I, I love hearing the sound of my own voice. Listen to me on this podcast. Well, like, you not know, only, I get it. Not only is it a big decision, like you're saying, but it's the one chance they get to be recruited in that way. That's the one t- chance they get to live this experience that very few people get to live like unless you're an elite athlete getting to take these official visits and you've seen the recruits and they get paraded around campus you know that's an awesome experience for them and to be able to do that that's why i've never understood clemson's rule of once you commit you can't take other visits and let these kids enjoy the experience let them take other visits are you that worried that they're not solid to clemson are you that insecure about what you've built here you know, it's their one chance to to be a kid or to be a high school kid and live that experience, and you know, let them enjoy it. I I couldn't agree more because there's there, there's both sides of the coin. It, pe- people who get just way way too caught up in oh this kid <laughs> screw this seventeen year old tweeting at them. No 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 no. Don't but at the same time, if that. you're if you're Kamar Wilcoxon or, or whoever and you want all these followers, you want that. You need to know what you're getting into because those people that are following you closely like that, they're going to turn on you. They're going to tweet good yeah. things at you. They're going to tweet bad things at you too. So you got to be ready for that. I'm yes. not saying that it's right for them I'm to do that, but sure. just be ready for it. I don't know what the kid was thinking. It's pretty clear that Kamar Wilcoxon was – is it the right term to say he's a cloud chaser? I mean, he is. He's, he's he, wants, oh, yeah. he wants followers. He wants the yeah. attention. He, he wants the attention. I'm not sure he was ready for the attention. You're going to get it if you commit to Tennessee. Oh, you're going to get the attention. Uh, but it goes the exact opposite way. It's a two-way street. And you don't <laughs> really you need to away. do anything to get it. it no. Okay, you don't even all. need a huge social media presence. Literally just when, when you take a visit to Tennessee – Tweet a picture of yourself in an orange jersey and say GBO or something like that. Dude, you're going to get a bunch of followers. You I don't even are. know how these people find these uh, recruits' Twitter accounts anyway. Because I don't <laughs> I don't follow – honestly, I don't follow a single recruit. I don't even usually follow players just because if, if it's important, it will get retweeted, and I'll see it. Most of the time, I don't really care what they have to retweet. 
and it's amazing the way that the fans find these accounts out of nowhere. Well, and just so so many of these players, like their handle is like B- Big Baller ninety nine. Oh no, I see. And, like they don't even have their name in it. Like, how did you even find this dude? I see. Like, he somebody probably com- was trying to stay anonymous. Yeah, I see somebody commit, and I see the the name, and I'm trying to find. I have to go to their huddle highlight if it's actually on their profile to find out who the uh, the recruit actually is. Yeah, I <laughs> I can never. I, I have to. I definitely have to depend on other people. Uh, to do that. And I just, I, I, and I've said this before, if you listen to me on the Swain event and stuff, I, I don't know how some of the guys at like two, four, seven and, and uh, rivals do it. Because if you don't know those guys, jobs, some of them, not all of them, some of them are just straight up, you know, they just cover the team and that's kind of all they do. But some of those dudes, a ton of their day is spent like, calling high schoolers and it's the high schoolers in the situation that we're talking about just like huge decision they might be thinking this that and the other and you gotta like talk to them be like hey what's your feeling about this and that like a 16 year old who has no idea what he's feeling and it's it's awful i don't know how they do it i don't i don't either because i mean i've talked to a handful of recruits for uh interview purposes and it is sometimes just a horrible you get one word answers it's like pulling teeth yes it's i couldn't do it there's no way there's there's zero intrigue factor there at all it's like what yeah I'm, i really like tennessee i really like alabama too i haven't made a decision yet i'd like to go visit both schools and that's I usually mean, we used to it. Get on, I, I on like swain's on swain's show on on signing day we would get the kids that were already signed with tennessee on their signing day you know hey come on We'll have you on for like a celebratory interview. And some of those dudes, we'd be like, how do you feel about going to Tennessee? They'd be like, I'm excited. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. Great interview. It's a awesome. great, <laughs> great family atmosphere. I mean, every program, I and mean, I know I write about it. I did it. But every, every program has a great family atmosphere. You've never heard a kid sign yeah. with a program that they did not have a great family atmosphere. The coaches well, any, treat them like normal people and not just football players. That's every program. And, and fans need to know this too. Even the there, I don't want to paint the players with a broad brush. There are some players who are really interesting, cool guys to interview. They're just, I mean, I already mentioned Trey Smith. He's an incredibly intriguing guy who's really a great interview. Typically, um, a guy Alvin Kamara was like that. He was just interesting. He'd come in and say the weirdest stuff, and it was. Great. At the same time, all of those dudes, when they get to college, are coached on what they say in front of the media. It is not, you are not just seeing like the raw form of Jared Garantano or whoever. It is, they, they've been behind closed doors. Oh, yeah. The person says, if you get asked this, say this. And if you get asked this, definitely don't say this. You know, <laughs> that sort of stuff. Part of us um, just getting more comfortable with the media, too. Yeah, that's definitely. Yeah, I mean, you go look at a when when a f- freshman is allowed to be interviewed. Go look at them interviewed then, as opposed to when they're a junior or senior. It's like a completely different kid in a lot of instances. And you know what's what's funny? They the media guys, meaning the the media relations staff at UT, like that that side of things, who deal with the media, um, they'll send out guys that they know won't say anything to you. Um, oh, I forget who it was. Wasn't it Garantano went forever without being available at one point? 
Yeah, JG, they they hid him a lot. Um, but the and they would send out like a I can't think who it was. They they were just a couple players who who they knew. They did it on purpose because they knew when they sent the player out, we'd be like, So how you feel about Saturday's game against Kentucky? They'd be like, Kentucky's a great opponent. We're gonna be ready to go. And that's the way you'd get. Because, you know, especially with Butch, if some nonsense was going on and he didn't want to address it, they'd send out these players that he knew wouldn't say anything because they don't want to say anything. Uh, he did have a, a few good ones there that would... A.J. Johnson was always fun. A.J. was great, yeah. Uh, Kurt Majit. Dobbs Dobbs was a great yeah. interview. Um, Dobbs is another one that you kind of saw evolve. I mean, he really got mm-hmm. more comfortable with the media. And I mean, he the, really is now. And, and I, I can say this. If you want, like, the the example of all examples of the best guy with the media. And this is just in my, my experience. And I was so lucky to get to cover these teams, but Grant Williams with the basketball team, his, his stuff. I mean, he was saying stuff as a freshman that you don't hear from almost any players ever. I mean, just the way that he, he approached, he was obviously he's very courteous, just really well-spoken in general, incredibly smart kid. But just like, I remember asking him one time, I, I said, Something like, you know, Rick's coaching style is really hard. He gets up at the podium and just rips you guys after some games. Like, what do you think about that as a player? And he said, I, oh, it just makes me better. You know, he had this, he had in his, I, I think it's who he is as a person. It was a genuine response where he was just like, well, if he doesn't tell me what I do wrong, how am I going to get better? That's, that's how I, I get better. He gets up there and he, he tells me what I did wrong. And then I'm going to, you know, I'm going to fix it. I take it and I learn from, it and I get better. And I was like, who, who is this guy? <laughs> you're you're 19, and that just it like that's to to me. He was the best kid I I ever covered. On top of that, I mean, he was just really fun. Those teams. Did you obviously, did you see his tweet today? Yes, the, the Father's Day tweet. Father of Vandy tweet. <laughs> yeah, so good. He yeah, he's a really fun kid. But just those those teams in general, almost everybody on those teams was was awesome uh, to come across because Rick just had them. Obviously, it's it's a lot of fun when you win. It's way more fun to cover a team that wins a lot, but still, they they were great. But well, basketball uh, players in general get a little more opportunity to show their personality more so than football players. So you really get to know a, them better. It's a much more, and we're going like deep, kind of inside baseball here. But uh, it's a much more relaxed environment with basketball because uh, football after games with football, it is even the players are up on a podium away all of the media is in one room you have to ask with basketball it's they set out like four players and you just they're just kind of like yeah talk to whoever you want here you go and they don't you know it's not controlled like that you don't they're not up on a stage they're just sitting there in a chair and you get to come up and talk to them basically for as long as you want to within the bounds of reason and uh yeah so it is totally different you get to see a lot more of their personality they just kind of let them go a little bit more but it and I man, I wish they would do that with football, but they just never football is just way more tied up for for whatever reason. They don't well, want I guess uh, a number of guys makes it a lot harder. In Butch's first year in 2013, I remember after some games, they would send some players out just kind of random. They weren't at the podium, but they'd send them all at the same time, but they only sent them out there for a few minutes and you kind of had to gather around and then you just I mean, you couldn't get everything, so you'd have to get a transcript later of what this guy said over there. And it was kind of chaos there for a little bit, and then they 
kind of put an end to that. Yeah, but <laughs> which, which, I think if he had the choice, he would have never interacted with the media at all. He, uh, it was by the end. I mean, that was the thing that he hated the most. I think because well, by the end, those Monday press conferences were just a. I mean, what <laughs> for a so nightmare. long. I I hated hearing him talk, just his cliches and just the way that he was, the coach speak was horrible. He he was never candid, but by the end it was like, okay, what's he going to say that we're all going to hop on today and (laughs) kind of get him on? It's because he's so defensive. It's kind of, yes, exactly. It is sort of by, by the end there, it was sort of like how a lot of these, uh, these press conferences are, are with Trump. Like the media just kind of was trying to set him up, you know, <laughs> it was like, if I ask him this, do you think he'll say something crazy? <laughs> like, and it just, and he did uh, the, he uh, did. I butch came through. I mean, the, the, <laughs> the fell in a helmet thing was an all time. Like you just didn't even have to comment. Just, you know, we're going to keep that in house. We're not going to comment on that. And then him wanting to drive that point home, you know, just made it like okay, we don't we don't believe you at all. Nobody believes you. So I mean, even Chris Fowler made fun of it on a uh, college game day one yes, Saturday. I remember. Uh, I mean, I like I, I was sitting next to Seth Stokes at the press conference where he asked him where Seth asked Butch if he had punched a player because there was that <laughs> that report that he oh, had punched the guy in the stomach. Crowder. Right. Yes, it was. Yeah, it was Matt Crowder who ultimately ended yeah, up being probably, on, like yeah. underage sex thing. So maybe he needed to get punched. I don't know, but uh, none, nonetheless, still no confirmation whether that happened or not. But either way, uh, Seth asked him about it, and I was sitting beside Seth, and Seth was. I, I think he told me he was like, "I'm going to ask him about this," and I was like, "Oh no, <laughs> what's going to happen?" And then, I mean, ultimately, I did butch. Which was I, I I forget what he said, but I remember him being extremely angry and just like I'm not answering that. What is this ridiculousness? Did they say anything to Seth afterwards? You know, I don't. Maybe so. I you know he was on Swain at that time, so I wasn't involved with Swain. I didn't know yeah. him as, as well at that point. Uh, I just knew him as like a you know a compatriot in the media room. But like uh, maybe I either way. Butch Butch played major favorites. He had guys without naming names. Like he had some guys that he like went on vacation with who were in the media, and then he had guys that he literally like he wanted us to die. <laughs> he just he wanted. I'm not saying that it it was me, but like some guys, he just he would have rather us like gotten hit by a car outside of the facility than have us come in. God, who would want to go on vacation with Butch? That sounds absolutely <laughs> dreadful. I can. Well, that's a whole other thing yeah. that I'm not going to talk about on here. But uh, e- either way, that's we got way down the <laughs> rabbit hole there. What even were we talking about originally? Some of these recruits and the ridiculous the media attention that they that oh they yeah the, the media attention that they get and and the guys in the media that have to talk to them uh, on a regular basis like oh god tracking them down traveling to high schools interacting I mean. Mm. You gotta have a passion for that. You really do, because a lot of those guys do a really good job of of getting information and and telling those guys' stories. And I'm not, I just couldn't do it. I'm glad they do, but I respect that hustle. 
do it do what you got to do those guys make with the subscriptions and everything they make like a nice chunk of change oh yeah it's a successful business model more power to you i'm glad you do it and i don't have to that's my my entire rap uh on all of that but uh any any parting thoughts with uh, the craziness around Kamara Wilcoxon and the recruiting uh, situation? No, we'll just pick back up whenever he uh, recommits to Tennessee later this summer. <laughs> It'll happen, uh, and we'll be here to talk about it. We'll finish with this, just a little lighthearted nonsense. But is it? I'm pretty serious. Tennessee is had to part ways with Coach Duggs. He's gone. Uh, it's a sad day. Or a happy day, depending on how you, you look at it, because he was a divisive figure around here, but he's gone. To Toledo, uh, of all places. He did, well, okay, maybe th- things got ironed out, because Doug's won a national title. He did. Won a national championship, uh, but then he hopped town. He Lane Kiffin, Tennessee, right after the national championship, so it's a bittersweet end. Well, at least he stayed two seasons, and he took care of business after coming up short against Virginia Tech. I mean, he had to stay after the way he got beat. In that game, it was sad. I hey, at least uh, we got a championship out of it. And to be, you know, <laughs> setting aside uh, the ridiculousness of that situation, that was like a fun thing. I'm glad that that happened during during the off season. I think all in all, it was obviously amazing promotion for uh, Barstool Sports, and I bet they sold a thousand t-shirts. Well, more than that, but thousands of t-shirts. Uh, to Tennessee fans, and that's cool and all. Um, it was uh, fun watching Big Cat get uh, frustrated <laughs> in, the, <laughs> in the midst of him playing games. Him, that was entertaining. Him realizing that the Tennessee fandom can can really be a curse sometimes. <laughs> that's my theory on why he went to Toledo because you've topped out with Tennessee. You've topped uh, social media wise. You've topped out. Anywhere you go is going to kind of be a letdown compared to Tennessee. I don't care if it's Alabama, Oregon. That's just the way that Vol fans are on Twitter and, and social media in general. The so national- you you go back to Toledo and it kind of resets resets everything for you. You go to Toledo and you can build back up however long he wants to go with it. I think Wisconsin's kind of where he ultimately wants to go. Think it. Think it's the right move. Maybe he's setting himself up. Maybe yeah, like a Wisconsin and Ohio State. Maybe he is in the same state. Um, but uh, it, yeah, all all in all, it it was pretty crazy just to see that phenomenon. Cause I so I looked into it. I'm not huge on Twitch and all that stuff. He had the national championship stream had 160 thousand concurrent viewers so 160,000 people watching all at once this silly dude play a video game and that was almost I mean it's almost just like a joke in some sense and I can understand 60,000 I can understand why so many people try to replicate what Barstool does when they they get that kind of viewership on a video game they are a controversial set of folks. I'm well aware. You know, I think everybody kind of knows. They they sort of have that reputation of just being, I don't know what you'd call it, like a, you know, like a... a just polarizing. Yeah, it's kind of, the I guess, like sort of the fraternity house of sports. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sort of, yeah. That's like a yeah. decent way to put it. Just irreverent. And, and they've gotten in some hot water in the past, but good God, man. They, I, I don't know if anybody is better 
at driving an audience. Like the the people that follow them are so like passionate and loyal to like Barstool, to the dudes that work there. Like I I don't know how they do it. The the brand that they've built is I mean, I think it's like a case study in how how to do things. You know, they they've had people come at them from numerous publications. Deadspin, I think, used to all the God. time. Yeah. Um, and several others have as well. And every time they write an article kind of tearing Barstool down, Dave Portnoy or, or Big Cat or, or, or KFC, they quote tweet it, and they've got hundreds of replies of people defending them and slamming whoever wrote the piece. I mean, they don't even have to do anything. They just quote tweet it with like a emoji or something. And, I mean, they, they let their fans do the work. It is incredible. It, it really, it really is. I mean, I even, I, I got wrapped up in the coach Doug stuff and that, that was fun. I watched, yeah. I watched the big games. I didn't watch all of them, but like, um, but even I through the Doug's thing tangentially from that, I started following some of Barstool. I've always followed Barstool like that main account, but I started just like looking at some of the other personalities. All I've ever followed is their hockey guys. I really like their hockey guys. So, I mean, that, that's a start. Their hockey show is massive. And they have the guys that host that hockey podcast. The hockey podcast has a, I bet so many people here don't even know this. They have their own vodka that they sell. It's a pink lemonade vodka. The ho- This is from the hockey podcast alone on Barstool. They have a hot, a uh, vodka that they sell. And I would bet anybody who's listening to this podcast money, they don't know it. You can go buy it at your local liquor store. It's that huge. It's made by one of the huge guys, like Kettle One or one of those um, huge vodka makers. I bet it is at your local liquor store, and you didn't even know it. And that's from their hockey podcast. Yeah, that's an insane amount of revenue probably coming from that. Yeah, exactly. Like just Jeez. millions of bottles oh, that they've I, sold. Oh, I listened to really before was their baseball podcast, the Starting Nine. Uh, it's a former baseball I've heard good player. Things about that, yeah, um, and and they have a lot of good guests on there. I, that's one thing I love. I love listening to podcasts with athletes, whatever sport it is, just to kind of get to know them in a the podcast setting. So starting on stuff like that, where they have athletes on there, I've listened to like JJ Reddick's podcast and that's not barstool, but I've, you know, stuff like that. So yeah. It, and you know, they have other, many other podcasts too. So they have built this incredible network. It's crazy. It kind of has all these branches that people attach themselves to. I didn't even, I didn't finish that, that thought actually. Uh, I got caught up talking about their, their hockey guys. Well, so from that, all the coach Doug stuff, I, I found out about this story with the call her daddy podcast. Do you know about this whole thing? I hadn't really followed it closely, but I have seen a, something about it. the podcast went to like number one at some point or something. Yeah. So I, I, until this coach Doug stuff, I had never heard of the existence of this podcast. It's hosted previously. It was hosted by these two girls um, who, and it's just all about sex. It's like a sex podcast that they just had in the bar stool network. Like they're, this is so smart. This, uh, and, and this is where like every media company should be envious of the way that these guys operate. One of the girls that was hosting this show, and I found this out, this wrapped me up in it. I listened to Portnoy. He like made a podcast about this, and I listened to it, and I was like, I couldn't give two craps about this, but he has me listening. And I he's, you know, I'm getting fed this. 
this one of the girls on this podcast was trying to shop around the show to other networks to try to get more money. Portnoy found out about it, and he was like, screw you. You're out of here. I'm, I'm kicking you off this show. You're gone. Now only one girl is hosting it. There was all of this crazy drama, uh, and and they took that drama and got me, who is literally never heard of this show previous to two weeks ago, uh, I listened to like the whole pantheon of this drama and like was totally enraptured by it. And I have, I'm not gonna like, that's not my demographic at all, but they found a way to like, even get me into listening to this girl be like, and then she, and then this other girl, she told me that she did this and that. And just like, I, I don't know how you do it. I, I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't get it either. I mean, the guy has hundreds of thousands of people watching him talk about eating pizza every single day. I mean, what? How did that even become a thing, and why? And I mean, I watch here and there. I've, I've watched them, and they are entertaining for some reason. I don't even know why. Yeah, I don't. I literally that. That's how I felt with the caller daddy thing. I was like, why am I entertained by this? I'm sucked into this, and I don't know why. Why yeah. am I? Why did I just spend forty five? minutes listen to this dude rant about this show with that i've never even listened to and yeah like like you said unbeknownst to me it's like like top five most popular podcast on planet earth i just absolutely massive so i don't know they whatever they're doing man they got they got it figured out whether you love them or hate them like that's part of the brand that's part of their appeal is that people do hate them also and i I never thought Six months ago, a year ago, however long ago, I never would have thought Tennessee's athletics department would align themselves with Barstool for a two or three week period like they did. No, and I've seen I, I know some other guys on in Tennessee media kind of voice like, Hey, this isn't cool that they're doing stuff with Barstool and like I mean a whole lot of other people thought it was cool. I don't know. But like yeah, I worked said, out that's, for that's part of their deal. That's part of Barstool's whole thing is that there are people that don't like them. So you know, nonetheless, it's over now, and so <laughs> I'll probably go back to not knowing about much of what Barstool does outside of their hockey stuff. But uh, that's uh, I most of, I think that's all. That's what we're at a, an hour five. We're probably just boring everybody. Yeah, well, I think that pretty much covered it. I mean, if you're not depressed over coronavirus stuff, maybe we at least lifted your spirits with some Coach Dudge and Barstool anecdotes maybe let's just all pray to uh to whatever god or entity uh, that you feel is the one for you uh that sports happens that's all mm, that's that's where i'm at uh man, yeah i mean it has it to, happen to happen god i mean coach dudge was peak like fake sports so we don't know what yeah. to go here but real sports where where else do we go? And I'm man, I'm not watching soccer. I just I can't. I tried. I even tried. I keep I just, it on. Like I have it on in the background just to have something on, but I, I'm not like a super into it type deal. Exa- exactly. I need sports that I that I care that I'm genuinely into and I know the backstories and everything. Ugh. But that's it. That's a big orange oh. podcast. See you guys next week. <laughs> <laughs> no, <I> just <laughs> <laughs> Is that the new outro? <laughs>
that's that's the whole outro this week. But it, it really will be. I think that's that's where we can wrap it up. I'm Charlie Burris. That's Zach Reagan. We'll have uh, better news next week. We promise. Yeah. Hopefully, and don't don't be like me and go to places where it's you're gonna get the the vid. I you know, I I say all of that like jokingly. I would not genu- genuinely would not be surprised if I like have it. I don't I don't know or have had it. I maybe we'll have it. Maybe we'll have a reveal on oh, uh, next week. I got back and I, I I really did feel I was like, did was that bad that we like there was just too I don't know it felt weird being normal like that again I was like yeah. should we have been normal like that I don't know so wait till you shake somebody's hand the next time oh I still haven't gotten there I, I haven't either I won't go that far it's gonna be weird <laughs> yeah <laughs> I have limits yeah I mean I'm not insane uh all right well that's it. I'm Charlie Burris. That's Zach Reagan. This has been the Big Orange Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to us. As always, the A to Z Sports uh, Podcast Network feed on iTunes and Spotify. You can find, uh, we've got Titans Podcast, Predators Podcast, 615 Sessions with Buck Rising. Go over there, subscribe. You'll see it all. Get it all. And then A to Z Sports Nashville.com for everything that Zach writes about the Vols and everything else. Tennessee. That's it. Thanks again for listening. Talk to everybody next week. See you guys later.